Coming up on today's edition of Locked On Eagles, we recap Jeffrey Lurie's press conference down at the owners' meetings, plus my annual rant about drafting for need versus best player available, all that and more on this Wednesday edition of Locked On Eagles. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Welcome in Eagles fans to a Wednesday edition of the show. You can find us Monday through Friday on all podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. We're always talking birds on Twitter as well at Lockdown Birds at DBSLOE and at GC24 underscore football. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every single day, including the offseason. The NFL draft, crazy enough, is now officially. Less than a month away. Yesterday was a month away from the 2023 NFL Draft. Can't believe it's already that time of year. The Super Bowl loss has come and gone. The free agency giant wave of moves has come and gone. And it's already mock draft season. It's time to prepare for the Eagles. Two first-round picks this year. Their second-round pick. They have a third-round pick and a couple sevens as well. Not as many picks as the past, but... They have three in the first two rounds, four in the first three to help continue to extend this championship window. Today on the show, I want to get into some of the comments that owner Jeffrey Lurie makes. He only talks to the media, what, once a year now it feels like? Yeah, it feels like it's the annual owners meetings and that's really it. He had some interesting things to say about Jalen Hurts I want to get into and because it is draft season, I have a yearly tradition that I've been doing on the show since 2018 where I completely rant about the philosophies of drafting for need versus best player available. There's certain things that people say about these philosophies that really drive me nuts. There's a certain perception about what teams do, and I just completely disagree with it. So we're going to get into all that and more. But I want to start with those comments that Jeffrey Lurie made yesterday, specifically about Jalen Hurts, he was asked from the media about Jalen's upcoming contract. Everybody knows the Eagles and Hurts are talking about an extension. They do not have the flexibility of Hurts being a first-round pick and having that fifth-year option and having at least you know two more years now of that rookie control deal. Instead, he was a second-round pick, and you only get next year, and then he is an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So the Eagles know he is their franchise quarterback if it was up to him. They were going to win in the Super Bowl. He was better than Patrick Mahomes. He, to me, was the MVP of that game. He is absolutely, without a question now, the guy. And so now it's just a matter of when, not if, the Eagles are going to pay Hurts. And that's what Lurie was asked about. It's his confidence level in Hurts in paying him compared to the past when he gave a big contract to Donovan McNabb, to Michael Vick, to Carson Wentz, why he feels better about this contract just his overall thoughts about having to do this again just four years after paying Wentz. It's crazy. Very rarely do you see a team in the NFL give out two mega contract extensions in a four-year span. I actually couldn't even think of another instance where that's happened. A couple of our listeners hit me up on Twitter and said the Seahawks did it and the Rams. Different circumstances, but the Seahawks gave out a big contract to Matt Flynn and then a big contract to Russell Wilson a few years later. And then when it comes to the Rams, they paid Jared Goff. And then a few years later, after trading him for Matt Stafford, they gave Matt Stafford a giant contract. So, But it's rare that you see an owner like Jeffrey Lurie have to give out 
two mega deals to a quarterback, but it's not a bad thing. And that was really the tone that Lurie said is, yeah, it didn't work out with McNabb and Vic and Carson, but each circumstance is unique. And he clearly believes in Jalen that he will not falter after a big deal like Vic did, like Wentz did. The main reason, because he isn't worried about Jalen Hurts' work ethic. He isn't worried about Hurts ever getting lackadaisical and regressing at the historic rate that you saw Carson because Hurts is, and what Lurie said was, he's obsessed with being great. And I don't think Carson Wentz wasn't obsessed with being great, but Jalen Hurts is a rare breed. Like this is a Kobe Bryant level of mama mentality athlete where, excuse me, nothing is ever good enough for this guy. He is always raising the bar. His work ethic is unmatched. It's generational. His leadership, his maturity, his confidence, his calmness, his clutch ability. Lurie said it himself yesterday. He has never seen a 24-year-old in his entire life as mature as Jalen Hurts. And I totally agree with that. Lurie is so right that if anybody is going to not regress after a big contract, if anybody is going to make every penny worth it, it's going to be Jalen. If anybody is going to not let that kind of money change you, because we've seen in sports, in the history of sports, when guys get these big contracts, things definitely change. If anybody is going to be exactly the same as he is, as a you know giant, highly paid elite quarterback compared to when he was a backup second round pick in 2020, it's going to be Jalen Hurts. You are not going to see him waver. I mean, Nick Sirianni said it the other day with his press conference at the owners' meetings that, Jalen's a maniac. He's been in the gym. He's been at the complex in Philadelphia at NovaCare since the Super Bowl loss, and he is working to get better. Nothing is going to change this guy. So Lurie clearly seems confident that paying Jalen, they're going to get a return on their investment. And I, I completely agree. I think Lurie's been enamored with this trade of Jalen, honestly, since they drafted him in 2020. It's a big reason I think the Eagles value Jalen more than other teams did. We remember Daniel Jeremiah's comments where he talked to most scouts and front office members that most of them had a third or fourth round grade on Hertz coming out of Oklahoma, but the Eagles didn't. And this work ethic is a huge reason. I also love though that Lurie talked about Hertz's arm talent and how he thinks that Hertz kind of got overlooked in that way because of his mobility, because of his work ethic. People sometimes, you know, how he has said this, you know, sometimes people when they talk about a player being really mobile and really mature and having good leadership and a great work ethic, a lot of the time it's to almost overcompensate for a player not having other physical abilities like throwing the football. I agree with that. Anytime a guy starts by pitching an edge rusher to me and they say he's got a high motor, I'm like, okay, you know, that's a good thing to have, but why is that what you're leading with? Is the kid not physically talented? But Lurie mentioned Jalen has that ability. And you saw that this year with his arm talent. Is it Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? No, but it clearly was enough to become an MVP finalist. So Lurie doesn't just believe in his work ethic. He believes in his mobility in Jalen's arm talent. He is all in on giving Hertz a big contract. So it's going to be something that happens again. It's a matter of when, not if it could be tomorrow. It could be in a few months. I totally agree with Lurie that I do not think this is going to go the same way as it did with Carson and Vic. Again, those guys, it's not that they didn't have the work ethic. It's not that money changed them and became selfish and you know lazy. That, that wasn't it. Injuries were a big issue. Michael Vick could never stay healthy after the 2010 season. Carson Wentz, we know the injuries in 2017, 2018, and 2019. That was a huge part of it, and that's what Jalen definitely needs to avoid.
He has the work ethic down. I'm not doubting that at all after this deal, but he has gotten hurt two years in a row. He hasn't missed the time that Vic did, that Carson did. They haven't needed Gardner Minshew for a month plus to go on a postseason run and get them into the playoffs. But at the same time, Jalen is a mobile quarterback. He's a physical power style runner. The Eagles use him on QB sneaks and in the red zone more than any quarterback by a landslide in the NFL. They run QB draws. They like to run QB power. They like to do read option where Jalen's exposed out in the open for free hits in the middle of the field along the sidelines. He's not your Lamar Jackson speed, Kyler Murray type of Justin Fields type of mobile quarterback. So he takes hits. He kind of embraces that physical Josh Allen almost style. And so he he does have to be careful. And the Eagles, it's not just Jalen, because I think he's a lot smarter actually with how he runs than Vic and Carson. I think he does a great job of knowing when to slide, of getting out of bounds. I mean, I just remember looking back at that final game against the Giants, the maturity he showed where it's like, okay, I know I'm playing at like 75%. My shoulder's messed up. Instead of taking this 10-yard run like I normally would, I get three yards. I'm getting down instantly. He's very self-aware in the game. Some players really struggle to not have that tunnel vision in a game and just let their instincts take over. So I'm confident in that way that Hurts will not suffer the same amount of injuries as Vic and Wentz despite being a mobile quarterback. But again, his style does warrant that. He does It does put him out there and make him vulnerable to those type of hits, and it's gotten him injured the last two years. So the Hurts has got to continue to be smart. The Eagles also just got to continue to be more and more picky about when you run him up the middle, when you expose him to open field hits. I don't doubt that they can get that to a, a nice equilibrium uh, because, you get, again, you don't want to take away what he does great and running the football is his main elite trait, but you do have to make sure that you don't let him get those kind of hits so you don't suffer the same fate after this contract that you did with Michael Vick and Carson Wentz. And the other reason I'm confident after Hertz gets this deal and Jeffrey Lurie is, Hertz has the support system that Carson Wentz does not. He's got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, an elite offensive line, a good backfield, a great coaching staff, a great front office that's nailing free agent signings, trades, draft picks. Carson didn't have that after 2017. And it's one thing that bothered me about Howie Roseman's comments this week about Wentz talking about how the reason they fell in 2020 was because of a historic regression from their quarterback, which is totally true. But I feel like he didn't take enough blame in the regression of Carson, but he deserves all the credit for building up the support system for Jalen Hurts. He's going to get that deal. Jeffrey Lurie, clearly confident. Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni, me as well. I can't wait to see what the numbers look like eventually for sure. All right, guys, coming up next right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast, it's my annual rant about best player available versus drafting for need. What's the right draft philosophy? What do most teams do? Is it really one or the other? We'll get into that coming up next right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. And guys, today's show is sponsored by FanDuel. The tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything in college basketball, in the NBA, in the NHL, 
NBA, as I said, the playoffs are coming up. The NHL playoffs are coming up. The NFL futures. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the LockedOn Podcast Network. All right, Eagles fans, we're continuing on on this Wednesday edition of LockedOn Eagles. Thanks so much for making us a part of your day and making us your first listen each and every day. Each and every year, I like to rant around this time of year. Draft time, right after free agency, this is when you hear all the draft conversation, rankings, prospects, where are they going to go, Where? what are the Eagles going to do, trade up, trade down, positional value, draft philosophy talk, looking at the past, looking at the future. You know, this is really when we dive into speculation season, and it's all of sub- subjective world where we really don't know what's going to happen. Um, and it's a lot of compare and contrast. And one thing you see a lot is the conversation about how teams draft. And most say you don't draft for need. A lot of fans say, well, we need a linebacker more than anything. And then you'll see somebody say, you don't take linebacker if it's the biggest need. Why? Because it might not be the best player available. It doesn't matter what you do. You take best player available. You never want to force a need and take a guy that's lower on your board because you need that immediately because that's when you reach and you get busts. That's totally true to an extent. Drafting Marcus Smith, Danny Watkins. The Eagles have seen in the past that reaching for a need is not a good strategy. That is 100% correct. You need to be disciplined when it comes to the board. And I think that's where this conversation normally stems from when people always just say, draft BPA, draft BPA, best player available, best player available. That's what you do. That's what every team does. The smart teams do it. The dumb teams force a need. Again, it's true to an extent. But it drives me crazy when people just say it in this black and white tone of teams draft best player available. If you draft for need, it's not the way to go. It just isn't true. It's not to me the right way to draft. And it's not the way the majority of teams actually draft. Again, yes, if you have a more immediate need at cornerback and the next best corner is 10 spots below on your board, a defensive tackle, right? And you don't need a defensive tackle as much, but that guy is sig- that prospect on the board is significantly better than the corner. Then of course you do not reach for that need and you take the more valuable player. For sure, you take the better prospect. However, to me, I think it's crazy to say we don't need defensive tackle as much in the short term and or the long term, we need a cornerback more. And there's only really a two-spot difference on our board. That, to me, wouldn't make any sense. It'd be like going to Wegmans. That's a listeners. They they don't know. That's my local grocery store. You go to your grocery store, and you have a stock load of Eggo waffles and potato chips and candy, junk food in your house. But you need eggs. You need ham. You need soup. You need bread. I don't know. You need vegetables. And your wife gives you the list, and you come back with Eggo waffles, chips, junk food, all the stuff you already had. And she goes, what are you doing? And you say, well, I went with value. I went with what was on sale. Again, to a a degree, sure, pick up some more. If the stuff you needed was way more expensive, then yeah, of course you don't spend a ton more. But at the same time, I think to just completely ignore need and just force BPA is crazy because imagine if you have a, a group of, let's say, like the Eagles at wide receiver and just pass passing targets overall. 
You have Devontae Smith, you have A.J. Brown, you have Quez Watkins, you have Dallas Goddard, right? So maybe the best player available at number 10 or at 30 is a receiver. Maybe it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Maybe it's Quentin Johnson. Maybe it's Jordan Addison. To me, I think it's a waste of an, maybe not a waste of an asset, but like, let's say you have three really young, talented edge rushers that are on the team long-term, or you have veterans that are locked up to big contracts, a mix of veterans and young players. To me, it's as irresponsible to force best player available, where there's going to be a log jam at that position. You just took the guy because he's the best, but now you don't know what to do. You force that pick, and now there's no real role for him in the short term or long term. You don't just take best player available just because, like, that's black and white BPA. That's just, that's not how it works. Again, you don't force a need, but you don't force BPA either. There's just too many variables when it comes to draft decisions to think of it in this such a simplified way. The other thing that plays a part in it is positional value. Like if the best player available is a linebacker or running back, I got news for you. The Eagles are not taking that linebacker or running back over a defensive lineman that's one or two spots below that linebacker when it comes to pure talent or a receiver or a safety or a corner, other positions that they value more. Howie Roseman this week said, we want the lines to be strong, our passing targets, our quarterback, and our corners, and the rest will figure out. So to me, if the BPA is a linebacker or a running back or something you don't value as much, that also has to do with it. So to me, it drives me crazy when people say you just draft best player available. You know, you sign all these guys in free agency so you don't have to force a need. Well, to me, I think it's as irresponsible forcing a giant contract or, you know, draft, you know, just bringing in a Band-Aid signing in free agency because you don't want to force a need in the draft. I, I think, like, the Eagles used to do that with corner, bringing in Kerry Williams and Bradley Fletcher. And, of course, that takes the pressure off so you don't have to need corner as much. But then you think, oh, we're set at corner. We're not going to take the guy the more talented player that, by the way, is four to five inexpensive years. I mean, the contracts of drafts too, you know, it's such a bargain. If you can land a core piece in the draft, that's why it's so much more ideal to go that route than free agency. So there's just like so many variables that it drives me crazy when people say, you just take BPA over need. It's like, no. In most teams, how many times have the Eagles actually taken a player that they didn't need that position short-term or long-term? Like last year. Yeah, did Jordan Davis or Nicobe Dean or Cam Jurgens step in right away? No, but guess what? You knew you were going to lose Fletcher Cox or Javon Hargrave. You needed Jordan Davis in 2023. Nicobe Dean, you knew you weren't going to pay TJ Edwards and Kazir White. You needed Nicobe Dean. You knew Jason Kelsey was going to play for more than three more years or two or one. You need Cam Jurgens. The years before that, guess what they needed really badly? a wide receiver. What did they do? They traded a first round pick for AJ Brown. They draft, they traded up for Devonte Smith. They drafted Jalen Rager. They drafted JJ Ortega Whiteside. What did they need in 2019 when they thought Jason Peters was going to retire a left tackle? What did they do? They drafted Jason Peters teams. Don't just take, I mean, outside of like Dallas Goddard in 2018, when was the last time the Eagles just took purely the best player available? Every position they take, there's a need in mind. Like they've never taken a player, you know, for instance, cornerback in 2019. I thought it would have been nuts when you had Sidney Jones, Razul Douglas, Avante Maddox, Crave on the Blanc, Jalen Mills, and Ronald Darby in six corners that were all young. You didn't know still what you had in Zool, Maddox. They were coming off great seasons in 2018. 
So was Crave on the Blanc. Sidney Jones, you were still hoping was going to pan out. You had Mills and Darby. They were Super Bowl starting corners. To me, if you would have drafted a corner that year because they were the BPA, that's nuts. So again, yes, you don't force a need short-term or long-term if they are a significantly worse prospect. But at the same time, nobody just takes the best player available straight up, regardless of how much higher they are on the board than other positions, regardless of what position they are. It's just, that's just not a real, I think it's a myth in the NFL. So I don't know. It drives me crazy when people talk about this and they, they just almost like don't entertain. Well, they need this position. It doesn't matter. Need doesn't matter in the NFL draft. No, it does. It, it absolutely does. You got to be responsible with it, of course, and take everything into consideration. But that whole black and white conversation just absolutely drives me up a wall. All right, we're going to wrap up the show coming up next. Got some thoughts about the Eagles Super Bowl window. Going back to some comments from Jeffrey Lurie yesterday at the owners meeting. So that's coming up. Stay tuned right here on this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. All right, Eagles fans, we are wrapping up this Wednesday edition of Locked On Eagles. Getting into what I think the Eagles Super Bowl window is going to look like beyond 2022. Jeffrey Lurie had some interesting comments yesterday. I wouldn't say interesting. I'd say more hurtful heartbreaking, gut-wrenching when he was kind of talking about how heartbreaking that Super Bowl loss was. He said how much fun and what an incredible season 2022 was, but you know, he he kept talking about how he imagined you know, the Eagles getting the ball back with a minute 45 left and Jalen Hurts, we saw what he did the drive before to tie the game back up with 5 minutes to go. And he said how much it kills him that they didn't get the ball back because he knew they were built for that moment, and they absolutely were. And it just kind of continues to open this wound that was that Super Bowl 57 loss. And that got me starting to think again, like, damn it, I wanted that Super Bowl so bad. Are we going to get back? Like, are they going to have another shot? Are they going to be like these other teams, like the Atlanta Falcons in 2016, where, you know, or Seattle in 2014, where they suffer these gut-wrenching Super Bowl losses, and then they just never recover. They never bounce back. I don't think that's going to be the case. Unlike those teams, this is a much younger core. Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback that isn't going anywhere anytime soon. He's only 24 years old. I believe in this coaching staff and this front office to continue to maximize this window. I think with all the draft picks they have and the veterans they already have as well, um, I think they're going to have a chance to get back to the Super Bowl every year for a long time. I don't think this is going to be like post-2017. But at the same time, you know, I think Lurie, you could see it in his eyes. He's like, you got to strike when the iron's hot. You got to hit it when you have the opportunity. You've got to seize the moment because you truly never do know when you're going to get back. I had the same tone about, yeah, they'll be back. I thought the same thing after Super Bowl 52. And they made the playoffs and made a deep run in 2018. And they won the division in 2019. But they weren't close to getting back to the Super Bowl after 2017. So uh, that was gut-wrenching to hear. And so that kind of got me thinking too, like how many teams have gotten back? Because of course I went right to the Seahawks in 2014. I went right to the Atlanta losses because those were the two most heartbreaking losses you can see in Super Bowl history in recent history where the teams just never bounced back afterwards. Um, looking back at, I went back the last 15 years to see teams that lost the Super Bowl. Did any of them get back within a four-year span? I like to go by like four-year chapters in the NFL. I don't know why. That's just kind of how my brain always works. It's ever since like college. I don't know, because high school is like that four years, four years in college. 
my brain just almost goes in like four year chapters of life, right? So let's say within four years, will the Eagles get back to the Super Bowl? What does history tell us? Well, over the last 15 years, four teams have gotten back to the Super Bowl within a four year span. And I, and I should say, let me rephrase that four teams that lost in a Super Bowl, not one, but four teams that suffered a loss in a Super Bowl in the last 15 years got back within a four year span. It was the New England Patriots, the undefeated team in 2017. They lost to the Giants. They returned in 2011. The Denver Broncos lost to the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl in 2013. They got back in 2015 and beat the Carolina Panthers. The Patriots, remember, they lose to the Giants in 2011. The New England Patriots, they lost to the Eagles in 2017. They got right back the next year, and that's that's this that's the ideal scenario. They got right back the next year and beat the Rams. And then the Kansas City Chiefs this year got back after losing two years ago to Tampa Bay. So it took the Chiefs two years to get back and win against the Eagles. It took the Patriots one year to get back and beat the Rams. It took the Broncos two years to get back and beat the Panthers. And then it took two years or four years, I should say, for the Patriots to get back and yet again lose to the Giants. So history shows that it's not impossible for the Eagles to get back. And of course, every circumstance and situation is unique. The Eagles do things more unique than everybody. The way they get to the top is, you know, unparalleled. It's not repeated by pretty much anybody. I mean, look at 2017 to 2022, how they got back to that second Super Bowl. So, you know, that, you know, history doesn't always show you what the future is like, but it does represent how hard it is to get back because of the, you know, unpredictability of your rosters in the NFL. It's a salary cap league. It's, you know, guys age fast. People get injured really quick. It's just really tough to win in the NFL consistently and get to the Super Bowl. Winning a Super Bowl, getting to one is hard. Winning, you know, getting a bye week and winning your division is really difficult, especially, by the way, with a first-place schedule. When you get to the Super Bowl, you normally have a first-place schedule the next year. The Eagles next year have, like, the hardest schedule in the league, according to strength of opponents. So it's really tough to get home field advantage and win a division after that, you know, big time season. It's tough to win three to four to five playoff games, right? It's really hard to not let that pressure get to you and those expectations. So history shows the majority of the time you don't get back for a while, but there are instances where teams that lost do and in losing, especially because that really, I think does a number on you maybe, you know, for some teams it motivates you and it helps add that fuel to the fire. It allows you to make sure you don't get complacent. But other times, like with the Falcons and Seahawks, they just, they could never leave that moment, right? The, I felt like Matt Ryan, like he stayed on that field in 2016 forever. And the ghost of Matt Ryan returned after that. The same with the Legion of Boom. It's like the minute you saw Richard Sherman's face when Malcolm Butler picked that off in real time, it looked like his soul left his body. Some guys just, it's like a bad breakup. Sometimes dudes just never get over that first love. And I, I believe Jalen Hurts in this, as I was saying in segment one and Jeffrey Lurie talked about it. I believe this Eagles team, this quarterback, Howie Roseman, they all have the makeup to bounce back. Like this team of anybody has the DNA to bounce back. I mean, we've seen it in the past from Jalen, from the GM, from the other veterans on the team, from the head coach. So I don't think they're going to suffer that same fate. I hope it's more those four teams, the Broncos, the Patriots, and the Chiefs, where the Eagles can get back. But 
the majority of the time, you know, again, through those 15 years, it's only happened four times. So um, it was definitely gut wrenching to hear Lurie talk about that Super Bowl again. I've been trying to ignore it and focus on free agency in the draft, but it would just make things a lot easier if they would have got that ring for sure. So I'm sorry to end the show on that note, but I, I like to say that research, I don't think it should discourage you. I think it actually should encourage you that four teams were able to get back after losing a Super Bowl and three teams were able to win it. And again, as I said, this Eagles team is unique and they have the right makeup. It's going to be really hard as history shows, but um, I think they can definitely be an outlier like those other teams. All right, Eagles fans, that's going to do it for this Wednesday edition of Lockdown Eagles. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on all podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. A show for you Monday through Friday. And guess what? Right after that, I head to Twitter and I keep talking birds because it's what I do. I can't quit it. I love them. It's my toxic trait, but it's beautiful. <laughs> at DiBiase, L-O-E, at Locked on Birds. Thanks for making Locked on Eagles your first listen each and every day. Make sure your second listen is the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes. From free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more, join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise. Every Monday through Friday, you can find Locked on NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get Locked on Eagles. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for watching and listening. And let's go, birds.